This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Want to know what's going on in your neck of the woods and learn the history and the people behind the events that you love across the state? Get to know the real Mississippi. Check out MPB Think Radio's Next Stop Mississippi podcast on all platforms or on the MPB public media app. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, Jermaine. How are you doing? I'm doing great after last week, sir. Well, we had a great time last week. We did. We did. Cruising the coast was a blast. Do you hear me? That was a blast. There was so many different American cars there, muscle cars. Yes, sir. You know, uh, ones that have been tricked out, ones that have just come off the... Uh, uh, look off the farm. Yes, sir. Just it was it was, great. it was great out there. I saw a wooden Hummer. A wooden Hummer. I it, didn't see that. It one. was totally full wood. They made everything out of wood. The door handles, the doors, the bumper, the <laughs> the front bumper, like all of it. Coach was made out of wood, and it was at the Shaggies that we went to to go eat after we left. It, it pulled out. I love it. That was nice. So it was nice. Actually, Java got a picture. And I will have him show that to you later of that wooden Hummer. I remember him taking a photo of that. We would not want to have no accident with that one because we'd have wood all over the place. It was beautifully stained, too, as well. (laughs) I bet that was nice. They had it stained up, so it was really, really nice. And then, of course, Cruz and Craig rolled out the red carpet. And he actually, um, that second day, you know, we went back for Next Stop Mississippi. Right. And he got the 10,000 registrants. He, He made his mark so he had 10,000 people register their cars um this year at well, cruising the coast well you know there was over 10,000 register but there was if it wasn't 34 years old or older they could not register they could get in cruising okay but they were not registered so he might there might have been 11 12,000 people there ain't no telling for the uh, cruise yeah well we had a great time that was a great great time and today we're going to flip the switch we're talking about euro cars today we're going across the pond we're going across the pond our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Okay, got a little description, Coach. Euro cars are vehicles manufactured by European automakers that are known for their high-quality engineering, sophisticated design, and impressive performance. And these cars are, cars are highly desirable among car enthusiasts and are associated with style, luxury, and performance. And in with us for our first segment today to jumpstart the topic is Mike Marsh. He is the founder and he also is the director of the 16th annual Eurofest happening in Ridgeland Friday and Saturday October 13th through the 14th at Renaissance at Renaissance at Colony Park and I'd like to welcome Mike to AutoCorrect today. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you so much Jermaine. Uh, Coach, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming on with That's us right. and talking Euro cars today. I am yeah. excited about that. Now I'm all into cars now. I, I went to cruising the coast. Coach <laughs> coached me over the past few months. I am raring and ready to talk about European cars today. Tell us a little bit about your work, though, with the Eurofest. Well, it, I'm a car collector, Mercedes collector, and uh, 16 years ago, I said, uh, if I ever find a place that's conducive to a European atmosphere, I'm just going to try and have my own show. Renaissance was new, newly built, yeah. and I went out to them and said, 
this is the place. European fountain, clock tower, <laughs> dedication to green space, right. uh, Italian tile roofs. I said, this is the place. I pitched their management, and the first thing they said is, you want to do what? <laughs> <laughs> but but as it solely evolved, uh, they said, let's take a shot. So we, uh, we kept our fingers crossed. They kept their fingers crossed that first year. We had the show. I think everybody was happy. Yeah. I'm home Sunday doing my paperwork, and I said, all right, I'm going to call them Monday and confirm what I think I saw, their happiness. Before I could call the them, the marketing director, Renee DeWeese, called me. She didn't say good morning. She didn't say, hey, Mike. She said, Mike, what's the date of next year's oh, show? That's I mean, what it's talking about. Now. Hit, hit I mean, that, 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 that put the hammer to it, baby. Come right. on we, we, We've been at it for uh, 15 years. This will be our 16th version. Right. That's now, great. talk about how many people it attracts. Uh, we, and that's an estimate, but we estimate that we've attracted in 15 years over okay. 200,000 people. Okay. And uh, we've attracted, uh, over 1500 displays. And this year for the first time, we have an exhibitor that's coming from New Mexico. So that makes our 10th state that has come to the Renaissance. Oh, that's great. We basically have a Southeastern audience from New Mexico over to Florida, up to North Carolina and uh, down to Louisiana, Mississippi, et cetera, Right, right, right. Now, this is a free show, so yes. everybody knows. Absol- I want everybody to know they can come out. Absolutely and unequivocally. It's free to the public, and it's free to exhibitors as well. It is a free, fun family event. You f- feel free to, speaking of free, feel free to bring your dog, but keep him on a leash. <laughs> right. And, uh, Have a doggy bag. Yeah. But if you've been to the Renaissance, we will have cars in a two-block area from north to south and a one-block area from east to west. So we'll have cars in four, new cars being judged in four square blocks. Okay. Then out to the east of the Renaissance or is a grass area. That will be Legends of the Interstate, which are cars, European cars, that the owners don't want to be judged. They're car people, but they just, they're not into competition. It's more of a social come and go, coffee and cars, laid back. But the judging part, uh, we we get some pretty serious players that right. come to town. Do you judge a little? No, Mike? I don't. I, <laughs> gotta have Do you judges. judge on the inside of yourself? Uh, uh, you uh, say yeah. to yourself, no or yes. Yeah. I uh, I get a tremendous enjoyment of all the new people that I met that are car people, just like I am from, yeah. from all over the southeast. This year, we've got a dear friend coming from St. Louis. One's coming from Indianapolis. One's coming from Highlands, North Carolina. And they're reciprocating. I've been to their shows. They come to our shows, bring some friends with us. And it's a win-win deal for everybody. The guys look at the cars. They bring their lady friends. Their lady friends do a little shopping mm-hmm. while they're at the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, besides some great restaurants, uh, there's some great stores uh, to shop there right. as well. My, right. question, my question ahead, is for you. Uh, are a lot of these cars restored, a lot of restored cars, or are they just newer cars, or well, how, how, how are we, these cars? We, we, you, you basically have two classes that that you have a restored car and you have an original car, right. and we recognize both those classes. Some cars are restored to the point that they're 
in better shape than they were when they came out of the factory. Okay. I mean, the, 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 the owners have spent a great deal of time and money on them. Others are original. I love to look at an original car that's 28 years old mm-hmm. that looks almost new, that has low mileage, hasn't been driven a lot, but we'll have quite a few of those as well. What's about the oldest car that you're going to have there? Uh, oldest car will be probably in the early 50s. Early 50s. Uh, we've got, well, no, I take that back. I take that back. We've got uh, MGTDs in 1948 that will be there. Okay. One of the first MGs built after the war in okay. England. Yeah. Well, great. That's awesome. Talk about your collection, though, of vintage Mercedes-Benz. Well, I've had, uh, I fell in love with Mercedes in 1975. We lived out in California, and I got hooked. And I <laughs> bought my first Mercedes in 1975. It was a 240D. Four-cylinder diesel, couldn't get out of its own way. That's right. It was so slow. (laughs) But since then, I've had about 25 Mercedes. I currently have three. I have a 1970, a 1980, and a 1990. My wife says uh, I have three priorities, free, fast, and old. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a a new car that I just recently have been trying to run down for two years. I bought it up in Nashville. It's a 1970 Mercedes-Benz 280SE, 2.8-liter Cabriolet. Right. They made uh, very few of them. This is a wide grill version, and it's a magnificent car. It's a dark olive with cognac leather. Mm -hmm. It'll be at the show. So uh, hope you guys will get out there and uh, walk around and Look at some of the beautiful things. Right. Well, right. I've had my uh, share of working on quite a few different Mercedes. Uh-huh. You know, uh, well, I used to work at Jackson Wholesale, and the owner had a 6.9. Uh, it was uh, 572 cubic inches. It was nothing but engine under the hood, and it would fly. The first time I drove a 6.9, I stomped it. And I literally <laughs> thought it was coming off the engine mount. Yes. I really did. Yes. I mean, there's so much power. There's so much power. I, I thought, oh, my God, I've ruined this guy's car. Right. <laughs> that is too And they, they made it literally in one color, and that was gray. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's good stuff. Before that, the, the predecessor of the 6.9 was the 6.3. Right. It, it was a pretty hot car, too. Well, if you thought about the 6.9, it was uh, distributor uh, injection. So oh, yeah. you had your big uh, distributor on there, and it was ejecting fuel, and you had that big breather right in there, you know, where you had the flap right in the center of it, and it would suck it down, and you was just pushing air and fuel and power. The worst thing you could do to a 6.9 was drive it slow. Right. You couldn't right. drive it. I mean, no. you drive it in around town, it's just a matter of time before you had to get it tuned up. Right. I, uh, I like to say the best thing you can do for a vintage car is, Give it a Mexican overdrive. Get out on the freeway and hit it about 80, 85 for about 10 minutes and clean out the lines and everything else. I knew I liked Mike. <laughs> he was driving like I drive sometimes. I like Mike. <laughs> I could hear y'all listen. No. I could listen to y'all talk cars I, all I day. A, I, bought a, I bought a Mercedes from a, a, a museum up in Chicago. And I drove the car home from Chicago, and I'm not exaggerating. By the time I got home, it was a totally different car. Uh -uh. Every hundred miles, it just smoothed out. The suspension, the fuel, it just 
it hadn't been driven. Well, you, you know? know, we just say you just blow them out and they go yeah. run better anyway. You know, sure. that's, that's what happened to a lot of vehicles. If you blow them out, they'll run better. You bet. Absolutely. You get all that carbon off those plugs and let's go. Well, let me, let me, let me blow out my Mazda then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes you may need to do that. <laughs> Mike, it starts now. The, the, the Eurofest um, starts Friday, October 13th at 3 p.m. with a parade. Well, we're going to have a drive, yes. We have a drive every year. Okay. Escorted by Ridgeland PD. We're going to leave the Renaissance precisely at 3 o'clock, go up Highland Colony Parkway to 463, then take a left and go out to Livingston. When we get out there, we're going to treat everybody to some ice cream cones. But before they go, we'll have some Italian ices as we cure it up, as we're queuing everybody up. And that's... uh, that's on Friday, but right. then the show starts on Saturday. 10 a.m. Yeah, but the cars start arriving about 7 o'clock, and okay. they have to be in position by 9 o'clock. So if you're interested, you like to take pictures, come early before the people get there right. so you can take a good picture of the car. Right. By 12 o'clock, it's hard to get close enough to get a picture without somebody in the picture at the That's car. Right, you right, know. right, right, right. So, That's awesome. And then we will start the awards uh, presentation to the cars at their location at 4 o'clock. Okay. Probably take about an hour to get everybody's awards out. We've got 16 classes, and we've got uh, nine sponsors' awards. We've got Best of Show uh, we have, uh, we, we're going to have to recognize a lot of fine cars and okay. we do. Okay. That's perfect. Now there's also going to be a Bavarian style beer garden. Yes. Music from Polka band and the Delta Krauts and fare from food truck barbecue shine. Yeah. Barbecue shine, uh, puts out some great barbecue. Their motto is Mississippi flavor with a Texas kick. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, they, they they have a fine product. And uh, the band is the soon-to-be famous Delta Krauts. They're all local guys, and they have a big time. There's six of them, and they, they'll play for two hours from 12 to 2, and then they've got another gig in Pearl. They've right. got two gigs on Saturday because right. it's October time, October, <laughs> October, October fest. fest. They're getting yeah. it in. They're getting yeah. it in. Yeah. Well, Mike, this is going to be awesome. Again, this is Mike Marsh, the founder and director of the 16th annual Eurofest. It's returning to Ridgeland October the 13th through the 14th. Um, Mike, I just thank you so much. Where can everybody go to get more information uh, our website would be a great place it's uh, www.euro euro hyphen f-e-s-t dot net okay euro hyphen fest dot net and you it's got the schedule on there it's got uh, the latest updates etc etc pictures of some of the latest entries a couple of beautiful new ferraris are going to uh, be coming. We're going to have a total of seven Ferraris. Going to have a total of thirteen Bentleys and Rolls Royces. Mm. Uh, got a couple cars I never even heard of. Got a Maserati coming. That's the only one in the state. Okay. So okay. Uh, a little bit of everything for everybody. That's awesome. That's great. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. And in West Tennessee, I see you out there. If you've got a question, you can send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about Euro cars. Is your car under recall? I'll tell you how you can find out next. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Jermaine Flood. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcast platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB 
Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Here's a recent recall. Toyota is um, adding 43,000 vehicles to the airbag recall. That's not a new thing or not surprising. Hey, Yoda just wants to get in on the gig. (laughs) I know. Everybody's like, but us too. Us too. So effective vehicles include model year 2023 Corolla sedans, Corolla Cross, Corolla Cross hybrid, Highlander, and Highlander hybrid SUVs and Tacoma pickup trucks. Model year 2023 RX and RX hybrid SUVs and 2024 NX and NX hybrid SUVs from Toyota luxury brand Lexus are also affected, but they aren't included in the expansion. The issue involves the spiral a cable assembly located in the steering column, which may lose electrical connection with the driver's airbag and prevent the airbag from deploying, increasing the risk of injury to the driver. So to fix the issue, Toyota and Lexus dealers are inspecting the serial number on the spiral cable and replacing it as necessary for free. Owners will be or were notified in September and newly affected owners will be notified early November. Those with further questions can contact Toyota or Lexus. And you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov forward slash recalls and inputting your VIN number, or you can find their Safer Car app. We're talking about Euro cars, and we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. Coach, before we get into these car Cars, yeah, that too. Calls, calls. (laughs) Let's get into these cars. I want one quick car question. I noticed that European makes do not have trucks or big cars included in them. Well, if you ever been over to uh, the United Kingdom or anywhere over in Europe, the roads are very small. Yeah. Okay, so anything that any size vehicle that you see in America, like the F one fifty for pickup trucks Mm -hmm. or any. Deluxe or luxury type vehicle, you will not see over there because the cars that are over there are very small due to the narrow roads. Right. You don't even see crossover, like crossover SUV, you know, the the family version. You will see very few of those. When I was over in uh, the United Kingdom, I was over there for uh, three different times. And I was over there for two weeks at a time. I probably saw six pickup trucks the whole time I was over there. Mm. Saw one luxury car. And those pickups were probably work vehicles, you think? They were small. Oh, they were small pickups. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were small pickup trucks. Uh, Did not see any standard size pickup truck over there. Okay. There's no big cars over in Europe. No, I saw maybe one or or two SUVs at all. Mm. Everywhere over there is kind of small built streets. Right. And And, that's why you have to have them. And they're all stick shift. Yeah. They're not automatics. Yeah. I I would live over there. I mean, I can do that. (laughs) And they're all mainly diesel, not gasoline. Okay. So there's a big difference of what you're getting over there in Europe and then what you're getting in America. Okay. Side note. Also, I've heard that they don't have limiters. Uh, no, because they have the Autobahns and they're called governors. They do not have those because on an Autobahn, there's no speed limit. You go as fast as the vehicle will go. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. I did hear that. So if you don't keep up with traffic, you're going to get ran over. Yeah. And there's not, you know, there's just no speed limit. Mm, I wouldn't mind to figure out how much, you know, how many wrecks they have over there with that. I wonder how that looks. Well, if everybody looked that up, yeah, look that up because if you're going the speed limit and you know, and they have a lots of roundabouts 
everywhere you go, they have a roundabout. Right. You know, so if you're trying to make a left turn from somewhere, it's going to be a roundabout. Yeah. Right turn, it's going to be a roundabout. You got to get used to it, and you got to get used to it going fast. Going fast. That's it. (laughs) Let's go to the phones fast. We've got Ann in West Tennessee. She has a truck repair question, and you're on with Coach Charlie. Okay, appreciate you guys being there. Um, we have a 1998 Isuzu Ombre pickup truck. The cable release inside the cab stopped working as it's not connected to the cable any longer. Consequently, we can't open the hood. So just wanting any advice from Coach as um, as to where to take it, um, what type of cost to to anticipate regarding parts and labor. And as you can see, that's not a good place to be where you can't open the head of your your vehicle. <laughs> yeah, what what they're going to do, you're talking about the cable at the uh, where you pull it inside the, uh, uh, the driver's compartment, right? That cable there where you pull on it to open it up? Yes, sir. Yeah, what they're going to do, they're going to get it either up underneath the vehicle and they'll come by the grill and they will, where the latch is, and they will open that latch. Or if the cable itself is broke from the handle inside of the uh, compartment, they will take something and be able to pull that wire because it's a braided wire that is going all the way from there to the hood latch. And they may be able to pull that. And might, what I would do, I'd first look at that and see if you can, even, if it's broke right there at the uh, latch, because if you can, uh, where you pull it, so inside you could get a pair of pliers and you could pull just the cable itself mm-hmm. if it's broke at the latch part of it. But if not, you will have to take it to somewhere, and you could probably take that to any uh, trusted technician or mechanic shop that you know. I would not take it to Walmart. I wouldn't take it to a big box store because they don't usually work on that. You need to take it to somebody that you know and that has the expertise to be able to get under the hood and open it up at that cable if they can't make the cable work. Hmm. Right, and obviously since it's a 98, it's really old, so so – to prevent it happening in the future, we want all of the cable and probably the latch replaced. Do you have any any idea at all what what we should expect as far as cost for parts and labor? Yeah, they would not have to replace the latch at the hood. Uh, that's that's made out of steel. That's probably not going to break again because it was the cable that broke. That cable anywhere between about a hundred dollars to replace that cable and the latch itself. It's usually some of them are connected to the cable. So about a hundred dollars for the part. And then uh, probably a couple hours labor. And that's probably going to cost you a couple hundred dollars. Right, 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 right. That, that sounds good. Yeah. I think, I think my husband actually tried what you suggested, like getting in there and pulling, you know, by the hood release, trying to access right. the cable. But it's, I think it's too far gone. Yeah, it yeah. probably broke at the either at the latch itself at the top of the where the latch is under the hood, or up inside yeah. that cable itself. So what I do is take somebody you trust. They can get up under there and they can uh, open the hood, and then they'll be able to get to the latch because it has to go back through the firewall to be able to be replaced. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you all for always being there. It's, it's really, it's really. Um, 
and a lot of peace of mind. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thanks, thank Anne, you. for giving us a call. We're glad to give you a peace of mind. Thanks, Coach. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> Coach is a peace of mind. We're going to stay on the phone lines. We've got John and Purvis on the line. He has an airbag-like question. Abra? Uh Before we get into John, uh, <laughs> I found uh, the Autobahn. So only 20,000 of 2.5 million collisions in Germany occur on the Autobahn. But of... Okay, so there were 0.95 fatal accidents per billion kilometers driven on German Autobahn sections with speed limits. On the parts where there's no speed limits, it's 1.67 fatal accidents. So it, it almost doubles uh, the the amount of accidents on the... The Autobahn. Yeah. yeah. Um, versus regular streets. Limitless Autobahn. On yeah. limitless Autobahn. Yeah, because everybody's just going fast as they can, and they may get some of those cars that can't go that fast, and they get hit in the rear, and it's over. It's over with. That's right. I had a Mini Cooper that I knew had no limiter on it, and I would have only been able to take it to the Autobahn to drive that one. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Or you get a ticket here in Mississippi. Right, or that <laughs> that thing there. Or you accidentally get into a bad wreck here that's in Mississippi. Right. That's, that's, right. that's for sure. John and Purvis, you are on with Coach Charlie. Good morning. Thank you for call, uh, taking my call. Uh, I have a 2006 Trailblazer SS. And actually, this car is in South America. Uh, when I go there, they let me use this car. But uh, this time they they are telling me that the, the airbag light is on. And my question, well, first of all, they say that it might be the airbag coil clock spring. Well, I was going to tell, say something earlier when they talked about Toyota talking about that coil uh, cable. Well, another name for that is called the clock spring. Okay, and. But, yeah. The clock spring, uh, what it does, it's right behind the airbag. The airbag goes in. It's right behind the airbag. And what that does, it controls a few other things. Matter of fact, it controls the horn. It controls the cruise control on certain vehicles. But that spring, it will go bad. It'll break, and it needs to be replaced. Um, Not hard to do if you have the right tools, but it does on some vehicles. They do need to be replaced, and the airbag will come on and stay on until that is replaced. Okay, um, the the issue there is that uh, I've been checking for the replacement part, and they don't make that anymore. I check in several dealers. I check on the different parts, including uh, parts stores, including in the, in the Mississippi track dismounters, and I cannot find that used or new. Okay, so what you're going to do is go out of state. Uh, I would check Texas uh, because they have the big salvage yards in Texas and see if you can find one in those. Uh, You should be able to find it used somewhere in one of those salvage yards. And you're just going to check. Mississippi doesn't have a lot of salvage yards, but you can. There is a big one down towards the coast of a salvage yard, and you may be able to find it down uh, here I would check OK uh, Auto Parts over there off 49 Highway and call Mm -hmm. them and see if they can. Matter of fact, if they don't have it, they do have a way that they can find it for you through their search engines and their places they get them from. If if I cannot find that, what would be the problem? If you cannot... If you can't find it, and the only problem is that when that happens, your airbag is not going to work. 
uh, regardless. Uh, anytime the check engine light comes on for the airbag, that means that the airbag is disabled. Uh-huh. Okay, and okay. that means if the check engine light, all airbags are going to be dis- disabled. So if you're in an accident, is, airbags is, will not come out. Is any other place that I can look for, uh, you know, well, if something you, else is wrong? Because this, this was passed to me by phone, and I really don't have the car with me to, to, to do all this, these checks. Okay, the only way that you can check it is really get a scan tool. <laughs> And a scan tool will bring out a code on that uh, airbag and lead you in a direction what they need to look for. But they need to put it on a scan tool. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks, John, for giving us a call. Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about Euro cars between your car repair questions. What's in the news? The most dangerous months for pedestrians in Mississippi. I'll tell you more next. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton High School's automotive tech program, is our expert host. I'm Jermaine Flood. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB. Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Coach, I want to double back before we get into the news. One, your um, recall related um, fact that you just pulled from the um, last caller. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, GM and Ford and uh, other manufacturers that coil spring they're talking about behind the airbag in the Toyota recall is the same thing that we call in American vehicles a clock spring. Right. Okay, it does the exact same thing. It operates the uh, cruise control. It operates the airbag. And if that's if that goes bad, that airbag light's going to stay on. Okay. And just want to let people understand, if that airbag light comes on, that just means that your airbags are inoperable. That means they're not working. Okay. So if you ha- do have an accident, make sure that you're buckled up. Right. Because the airbag's not working. Yeah. If that airbag light is on, do not trust that your airbag will deploy. That's right. That is true. And then Abram, I'm going to throw Abram in on the conversation because he's been back here researching European cars and actually the the fate fatalities and wrecks possibly yeah yeah this is the the most googling i've done on a show in a little bit (laughs) been moving around a good bit that's okay i love it so what i found and i told you guys during the break is um that german car culture and highways and specifically the autobahn are so much like more like it's so different than america that driving without a speed limit on the german autobahn is safer than driving on a speed limit on Mississippi or U.S. highways. Driving the speed limit. Yeah. Driving no speed limit, just however you want to drive is safer. safer. Yeah. Well, there, not here. Yes, yes. Right, okay. Exactly. I I mean, it might not be the drivers. It might not be. It's just German regulation is just so much different than what we've got here. And I think once you get into the mode of, one, driving fast— then you kind of you get it like everybody gets it after a while. Well, you got to understand they drive on the opposite side of the road, too. So when we're driving on the right side, they're driving on the left side. Maybe that makes a difference. And even they're driving on the opposite side in the car. You know, so they have they're driving on the they're driving in the right side of the car where we're driving on the left side of the car. OK. And so their roads are made for that as well. Yeah. So when they're on the right side, they're going in the opposite direction that we are going as we drive. Okay. 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 And- so, so Kevin says that uh, <laughs> Germans do not drive on the left side of the road. Uh, Europeans, not all of them, but there are the Europeans 
a lot of the different countries do drive on the opposite side of the road. I know right. in the United Kingdom, they drive on the opposite side okay. of the road because I was there for, uh, like, say, six weeks. So they right. do drive on the opposite side of the road. If you go down in the islands, down, matter of fact, in the Caribbean, if it's a uh, British uh, country, if they're owned by the British, they drive on the opposite side of the road. But even though some of them may drive on the same side of the road we drive on, they still drive on the opposite side of the car, don't they? Yeah, a lot of them still drive on the opposite side of the car. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah the Not car. all of them. Okay. You okay. know, and so that's it's just according to what country you're in in Europe. Right, right, right. So. That's some pretty cool facts, y'all. We, we've gone all in on European cars today. <laughs> Okay, so what's in the news? The most dangerous months for pedestrians in Mississippi. And November is ranking as the top dangerous month for pedestrians in Mississippi that a new study has found. Pedestrians traveling in November are at most risk. There are approximately 273 fatal motor vehicle crashes reported during the month of November, which included the death of 50 pedestrians. Um, And these figures made November the most treacherous month. Um, with 18.32% of these incidents involving a pedestrian fatality. So autumn and mid-spring proved to be more dangerous for pedestrians, with both October and April claiming second and third spot in the study. And precisely 16.9% of motor vehicle crashes involved the death of of a pedestrian during October. Of the 52 pedestrians killed in fatal crashes, 41 were linked to nighttime accidents. So it's all it's a it's a lot happening in the fall and a lot happening in the fall at night. Um and then April was named the third most dangerous and May appears to be the safest time to take a walk in Mississippi. And during this month pedestrians are less involved of the 293 incidents on record between 2017 and 2021, 26 pedestrians were killed. That's around um 8.8 percent of fatal crashes saw pedestrian lose their lives and that's the lowest of any month statewide i don't like driving a walking on any road in mississippi because there's usually no sidewalks because there's usually no sidewalks and if you're walking on the highway if you notice in the last couple months we've heard of a pedestrian being killed on the highway yeah or even on the streets themselves if somebody's not run over them right did uh did that article list much of a reason like is it is it because of like, you know, daylight time is longer or shorter? Or? They just say like at the end of it, it says if you decide to take a walk in the darker months or during the evening, make sure to wear reflective clothing if possible and travel in well-lit areas. It does seem to be that, you know, the sun goes down yeah. earlier. Yeah. And it has something to do with the dark. And yeah, maybe they're not driving with lights on. <laughs> yeah, right. that's possible. Right, that's right. Possible. Or you could have people out there with one headlight that's or something true. like that. You can't see can't on the see side well. of the road, but... Especially in the country, on the country roads, you really have to watch it because people do walk up and down country right. roads all the time. Right. And so you, you you really have to watch that. But please make sure you're always aware of your surroundings for possible vehicles. Removing your earphones, take those headphones out of your head. You cannot hear a car now coming. Now, that may be the reason, one of the reasons, because of the earphones and all, and people and listen the, to the music and, not, and cannot hear the cars coming. Or yeah. walking while... Just being on the phone. 
Well, you know, so they, I've seen that where people don't even look up anymore. Well, a lot of the electric vehicles are making sounds. You know, they don't make sounds like an engine, and so they're putting noise on EVs so people can hear them coming. Those, yeah, right. That makes sense. That's because they are quiet little cars, they're though. Quiet those cars. EVs do just hum, don't That's they? That's true. Um, yeah, but I'll include a link to this story in our show's podcast description. We're talking about Euro cars. Email your questions to auto at mpbonline.org. Let's go to the phones. We've got Joyce and Greenwood on the line. Joyce, you are on with Coach Charlie. Oh, I'm grateful for you taking my call. I called uh, in September, and I give him A pluses. I did everything he told me to do. <laughs> but I have hit another problem. I was the I was the person that called about the 1998 Toyota Forerunner that I bought new, and um. The, they do not have a dealership here in Greenwood, and they recommended a private person. And I went with the private person, and when he brought it back, uh, anyway, he said it was this computer key that had been obsolete for 15 years. And I called, and Coach told me to go to a dealership, you know. So Grenada... Uh, is the closest Toyota dealership to Greenwood. So I, I called, and they gave me an appointment, and I went. And they said, well, it'll cost $159 to evaluate it. I said, that's fine, evaluate it. And then they said that they could reprogram my computer, like Coach said, that it needed to be reprogrammed. And uh, that would be $888. So I said, okay, that's fine. So uh, anyway, my problem is I still have a problem. My truck won't crank. And I passed the gas like four times. And then it won't crank in part. And I put it neutral and it'll crank. And I always sit there a while to give the fluids time to go through the truck. But I called, and they said they couldn't see me until next Tuesday. And he didn't seem too happy uh, with me. (laughs) And I told him, I said, well, you charge me $159 to evaluate it, you know, and I still have the problem. Um, Coach, what do you think they're going to – I just want your opinion. Okay, the first – the first thing, why did you did you tell them to uh, reprogram your computer, or they said it needed reprogrammed? I told them first, and then they said, "Well, we'll have to evaluate it, and it'll be a hundred and fifty nine dollar charge to see if that's correct." And so then I went and waited. I was there like about eight and a half hours. Anyway, after about an hour, they came back. And um, they said that my problem was in the computer, and it didn't need to be reprogrammed. Uh, and the only problem I'd have with it, I I couldn't lock the doors automatic. And I said, well, that's fine. You yeah, know, with, I can deal with that. With your key fob, because your keys weren't reprogrammed. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, with your starting, uh, that has nothing to do with the computer itself. A starting, you know, if you can start the thing in neutral and you can't start it in park, most likely it's probably a neutral safety switch or something wrong with the shifter itself. So that's, don't tell them that's what's wrong with it. Just go in there and tell them that it just starts in neutral. Don't tell them anything else, because... 
usually if you tell somebody, that's how they do it. So you want to be careful there. Well, I appreciate that because I shared with him what it was doing. And he said, well, it has to be in park. And uh, the truck is automatic, you know. Right. So, so he must think it's a stick shift <laughs> since it's 25 years old. <laughs> well, just tell him what and it's I'm doing. At- just tell him what it's doing, but don't give him, don't tell him what you won't fix. Just tell him that it won't start. It only starts in neutral mm-hmm. and let them evaluate it since they've already charged you $159 and charge you $800 to reprogram that computer, let them tell you what's wrong with it, and they should be able to fix it for nothing else. That's right. Joyce, we... And what what did you say that you think it is? I won't tell them. Yeah, it could be the neutral safety switch, and what that does, that keeps it from cranking in park, that it don't know where to crank, you know, so uh, because it should crank up in park and neutral, not Mm -hmm. just neutral. Ms. Joyce, I thank you so much for giving us a call. We're discussing Eurocars and taking your repair questions. We've got a new review from Casey Williams coming up in Coach's Tip of the Week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. This week we're out in Zion National Park in Utah, driving the 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness Edition. This is the third in the Wilderness Series, following the Outback and the Forester. But this one might be my favorite because it's based on the small car platform, so it's really easy to drive on the trails. But you still get 9.3 inches of ground clearance, still have all the body cladding to protect the car, and you get dual mode, X mode. So this allows it to claw through the snow and the mud, and also has hill descent control to help you when you're coming down the other side of that hill. Underneath the hood, a 2.5 liter horizontally opposed four-cylinder engine, delivers 182 horsepower, and it gets pretty decent gas mileage, 25 miles per gallon in the city, 29 on the highway. Some of the things I like about this vehicle quite a bit, it has 700 pound roof rack rating so you can tent camp, you can pull 3,500 pounds, and it's got a lot of the safety systems too, including automatic crash avoidance steering. So it's also priced pretty well too, I think for what it is. This one starts at $31,995. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. If you're hearing Coach whispering to me, he's giving me some auto advice right now. <laughs> and if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. At 11 a.m., it's Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Jermaine Flood, and our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician, it's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. You know, we're talking about European vehicles here. If you want a European vehicle, if you'd like the European vehicle, go out there, do your uh, research on what you're looking for and what you're looking for in a car because, once again, the European vehicles, there. some of them are quieter, they're uh, cleaner, and they're safer. Just do your research. Find the one you want if that's the type of vehicle you want. Right, and do not act like you're on the Autobahn. That's right. <laughs> Mississippi will give you a ticket. (laughs) They will ticket you. Buddy, you have got two minutes to talk to Coach. You're on with Coach Charlie. Y'all need a two-hour show. I know. They (laughs) said that before. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a 2002 Chevrolet Tracker, of course, made by Suzuki. Right. And it's got 164,000 miles on it. And uh, I was going to put some oil in it the other day, and I noticed a bunch of blowback going up through the oil filler 
and I checked, and of course, my PVC valve was plugged. So I put another PVC valve on it. It had been spitting like almost like he's chewing tobacco coming out from under my valve cover. But I put the PVC valve on the thing, and I washed the engine so I could look for another oil leak, if any. And the thing's mad at me and hadn't cranked for three weeks now. Mm. I took all the connections loose. Took the spark plug, the coils, everything out, blew everything out, got everything good and dry, put a new air filter in it, put it back together. It backfired so much it scared my dog to death. And other, it, it tries to, it just sounds like it's going to hit and crank. First uh, first few revolutions, but then from then on, it just run, 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 run. It doesn't fire off anymore. Go ahead and take that. Uh, it has a distributor on it, right? Nope. It does not have a distributor on there? Okay, so that means it don't handle. Does it have spark plug wires just going to a coil? Oh, uh, no, it's got coils on top of each okay, plug. So it's a, okay, so what I would do, I'd just pull each one of those uh, coils out, and they may have condensation in that coil up underneath it, whether it goes to the spark plug. That's what I would do first, and make sure there's no water down in that system where the spark plugs go. Because right. if, if it is, it'll never crank. I did that with an air hose and a tissue paper and cleaned it all out good. And I had had before, I had to change the camshaft position sensor. I don't know why it had to have one. It's held in place by bearings and run by a chain. It's not wandering around. But anyway, I changed the camshaft position sensor because the car would run back and forth to where well, it could go. 80 miles an hour for an hour, but it wouldn't idle three minutes on a takeout line. You'd have to push it out of line, wait 45 minutes to crank it again. So I put another camshaft position sensor on it, and that's been, oh, seven or eight months ago. Hadn't had a bit of trouble out of it, except uh, electrically and everything. Well, buddy, I hate to cut you. We got to go. But, buddy, hit us up next week, and we'll be able to... Hopefully answer that question. Yeah, because on that, just need to check and see if there's water. If it was running before and it's not running now after you washed it, there's water somewhere. Okay. We'll get you, buddy. That'll wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our show engineer, Abram Nanny. Call screener, Henri, our our intern. That'll wrap us up for Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or Download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.